The NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out the bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment. Coors Light. And finally, we're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is home to the Best Ball Mania 2 contest, where you can win up to $1 million. That's right, $1 million. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Hello and welcome to the NBA Gambling Podcast. It is Sunday, May 30th. It is episode 187, guys. It is the murder episode 187. Again, this is the Ryan McKee, Rich Fat Baby, coming to you on a Sunday night late. I'm a little discombobulated. I don't usually record this late, but wanted to get on here, recap all the action from this weekend all that we're going to look at all the games uh from this weekend all the series from a gambler's point of view give you everything that we saw and uh helping me do that i'm bringing them in now i got Munaf manji how's it going Munaf? going well man how are you sir going well going well also got scott rachel how's it going scott doing well uh connor was hoping for more close games over the weekend but we'll get into that in a bit that's right. Well, uh, lots of good NBA action. Not all that close. Um, but hey, my son's won today. We will get into that. But first, I wanted to start with the team that's already uh, sent their opponent home, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they swept They swept Miami by an average of 29 points a game. Does this Bucks team feel completely different to you and do they have a chance against Brooklyn I'll start with you Munaf I think they do I mean we, we talked about you know with Zach and Dan how their roster turnover from last season was significant upgrades this season with Drew Holiday I think being uh, the main third guy that they wanted to go out and get and then I think the one guy that was absolutely incredible this series for the Milwaukee Bucks was Breen Forbes he outscored Jimmy Butler by himself by two points. He's uh, Breen Forbes scored 16. Jimmy Butler had 58. Um, and he was, uh, you know, absolutely fantastic. Even when, you know, DiVincenzo went down, they, I be- believe they started Covington in his place, but they brought uh, Forbes off the bench and he played significant minutes and he was really uh, a key guy for them all series long. So um, I- I'm really looking forward to that Nets and the Bucks series, but I, because I think that, that's a potential series that can go at probably six or seven games. I would love to see this go seven games, but I do think the Bucks do have a chance against the Nets. Really? Okay. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Well, first of all, I'm going to be clear. I'm a Nets fan. I have been for a couple decades. I'm not a bandwagoner. I was a fan of theirs back when they were in Jersey, when I saw Jason Collins getting destroyed by Shaq in the finals. So I've seen a lot. And just to get that out of the way, I've been a Nets fan for a while. Having said that, I think Milwaukee's going to win. Just being completely honest here, I know that the Nets have a big three. I know that they can score pretty much on anybody. Defensively, they are so bad. (laughs) They are so bad at rebounding, and they're so bad at defense. And if you saw the last couple of games in the regular season when they matched up against each other, 
Giannis torched everybody. They couldn't guard him. And if you're looking at what the Nets could do offensively, they're going to try to pick on people like Forbes that you brought up. Of course, he's a great shooter. Can't really guard anyone. So I'm curious, I'm curious if Budenhoser is going to limit his minutes or even not play him at all. But at the end of the day, you're looking at the big three for both teams. I think the X factor of that series is Middleton, because I think we know Drew Holiday, even if he doesn't contribute offensively, is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Giannis has won a Defensive Player of the Year award. We know he's a great rim protector. Middleton's the one in the middle who's had playoff struggles in the past, but he was still very efficient against Miami in the first round. And if they want to beat the Nets, they need Middleton to shoot probably somewhere in the high 40s, low 50s, and probably average close to 20 points per game. Because I think what we saw from the Nets tonight, uh, in addition to what we've seen earlier in the series, the fact against Boston is the fact that this team can score against anybody. And defensively, let's just say they pick their spots when it comes to actually trying to guard people. So I think you'll see a pretty high scoring series. I think it should go six or seven. But if you're asking me right now, who do I think is the more complete team all around? I think it's Milwaukee because they actually play elite level defense when they want to. Don't you think that the Nets can play defense though? I mean, this is what the only the 12th game with the big three or something like that. They said. All I know is that I've seen the Nets play good defense for about with these three on the court for maybe a game and a half. That's pretty much all I have to go for it. And you're comparing that against a Celtics team, which has Tatum and Tatum and a little bit of Marcus Smart in there. I don't really think it's a fair comparison. And then everything that we thought about the Nets, which was great defense in games one and two, then game three happened and they just forgot how to guard people. Tatum at 50. And then game four, they dominated. I can't say they played well defensively, but they coasted because their offense and their big three put up about 104 points. So I'll wait to see what happens with the big three when they actually face off against an elite offensive team, which I think we'd agree Milwaukee is. I'm not impressed with the defense and the rebounding against Giannis is going to be an absolute disaster. Now, the most important question I have, what did you think of Jeff Green's attire on the sideline today? He wore a pink (laughs) Floyd shirt. I'm all for like the more relaxed look. But uh, when you're wearing the same shit that the stoners in my freshman year floor were pink Floyd, Jeff Green, what what's up with that, man? I kind of like it. I'll tell you what, I didn't see it coming. Caught me off guard a little bit. (laughs) I I didn't see it coming either. In his defense, he did have very nice courtside seats to the show that the Nets put on tonight. The question That's is, absolutely. does he actually listen to Pink Floyd is going to be the question that we need to find out or the answer that we need to find out. I, I feel like Jeff Green does listen to Pink Floyd. He seems like a pretty chill dude. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, all right. So um, you're going to pick the Bucks, Munaf, you think this could go six or seven games. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you go Bucks or Nets? Because I'm leaning Nets what, from what I've yeah. seen so far. I'm going to be a little biased because I do have some future tickets on the Nets before the Harden trade was announced. So I was able to grab a five, plus 550 on them to win the title. So I'm going to be rooting for the Nets. Um, and I'll, I'll give it to the Nets. I'll, I'll go Nets in either seven. I'll go Nets in seven. What All right. What do you think? Uh, I'm going Nets in six or seven, I think. I hope that you guys are right, because once again, I'm a Nets fan, so I'd be thrilled if they pulled it off, but I see a couple of red flags that might present themselves. I'll tell you what, though, as of right now, based on the betting markets, I see the Nets are around minus 110 to win the East, and Philly and Milwaukee are both plus 300. I don't really understand those odds at all. I figure Philly should be lower, because they're just going to watch Milwaukee, and they're going to watch the Nets kill each other, and they're probably going to get matched up against Atlanta. 
So I feel like Philly should be lower than Milwaukee, but I don't really see any value at minus 110 to win the East for the Nets. Yeah, it kind of seems like the bookmakers have never totally believed in this Philly team to give them like favorite odds. Like, have they been a have they been a favorite all year? I don't think they should be a favorite per se, but all I'm saying is process of elimination. If you're going to have the second and the third best team or the first and the third best team basically kill each other in a seven-game series, and you're going to match it up against Atlanta on the other end. And if we are assuming, which I think we'd all agree with, that whether or not we think the Bucks or the Nets are going to win, probably going to go six or seven. Philly probably will beat Atlanta in five, yep. if that. That's how I'm looking at it. So Philly should have extra rest and just watching those other two teams just go at it. I think Philly's got a pretty good spot. They might not win, but they got a good spot. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I I, I like Philly in, in their spot. You're right. Well, let's go ahead and look at the Philly game that's going on tomorrow. We got the 76ers minus seven and a half at Washington Wizards. I'm seeing a total of 230 and a half. Philly in the first three games has averaging uh, over 125 and a half. Uh, the Wiz are only averaging 105, which, uh, you know, a team that has been totally built around offense all season, uh, really struggling on offense. Do the 76ers close it out tomorrow? Come off. Yeah, I think this is a wrap. I mean, like you just mentioned, the defense of Washington cannot stop this Philly offense and, Joel Embiid is getting whatever he wants. Tobias Harris is getting whatever he wants. Uh, They're knocking down their three-point shots with Seth Curry and Danny Green, surprisingly, is having a great series. Um, Just too much offense for the Wizards to handle. And defensively, Philly is is holding their own against the Washington Wizards. We saw during the regular season, especially during the tail end of the season, the Wizards were one of the better offensive-efficient teams. But when you're going up against one of the better, if not one of the top three defenses, in the league, you know, you're going to hit a wall. And I think this is going to be wrapped up tomorrow for the Philadelphia or for uh, the wizards. And they're going to be in Cancun in a few days. You're going to lay the points. I will lay the points. Cause I've been laying with the, the points with them all series long. And I've been hammering their team total all, se- all series long. So I, there there's, it, I think it's done. I mean, there's no adjustment that the wizards at Scott Brooks are going to make now. I mean, they know that the series over Philly just, needs to go out tomorrow night and take care of business. And I, I think they wrap it up tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, what's your pick, Scott? I feel the same way. I'm looking at it the same way I looked at the Bucks heat game four. I had a pretty big play on the Bucks, at, I believe, minus four and a half at the time. Yep. I just looked at the series and what happened. I looked at game four, and I couldn't really think of what Miami could do to fix it. You're just looking at a situation where the other team is clearly better than you in every area. And unless you shoot the lights out, you're not going to win. And the way that I see it with Washington, I'm trying to think of who who on Philly has had a bad series. I feel like everyone's been wide open and everyone's making shots. Has there been somebody who's had a bad series? I feel like even Danny Green's been playing well. But you can't, <laughs> you can't say that about him all season. But Green's been good. You go look at the big three that you have with Harris, with Embiid. Even Simmons has been great in this series, even though offensively he still can't shoot a jump shot, but they're not guarding him. But you just go down the line. Washington is the worst defensive team in the playoffs. They can't stop the Philly on a given possession. And you know that when in doubt, Embiid can get any shot he wants at any time. And if not, he's going to the foul line about 15 times. And Westbrook, I know he had a triple-double in the last game. I still have a little bit of a question mark with his ankle because I'm not sure if that's going to impact him at all, especially against Ben Simmons on the perimeter, who's still one of the best perimeter defending players in the league. At some point, I know you mentioned Scott Brooks, 
Can we just acknowledge he's just not a very good coach? Yeah. So people, I don't, I don't blaming think, he's not a good coach for, I mean, since he was with the Thunder, I've never thought he was that great of a but coach. But the point is, do you expect Scott Brooks to finally cr- have some huge adjustments that'll swing? The, of course not. You expect Philly to bury him, and Philly will probably win again by double digits. So I like Philly. I like Philly team total. I kind of expect to see a repeat of what we saw the past couple of games in the series. Yeah, Scott Brooks is not known for changing shit up. I mean, he was the guy who was playing Kendrick Perkins deep into that uh, series against Miami when they were just getting slaughtered and Kendrick Perkins could barely move. I mean, that he doesn't change things up. So you're right. He's not going to game plan different. Uh, 76ers is going to roll. I feel very comfortable laying the points. Uh, another team I think is going to roll. Utah Jazz versus Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow. Jazz has given up five in Memphis. I'm seeing a total of 224 and a half. All three of these games have gone over the total. They've been putting up plenty of points. Memphis, uh, two and six against the spread in their last eight games. They were good against the spread most of the season, really fell off against the spread uh, towards the end of the season. And I just feel like They've run, they've totally run out of gas. Once Donovan Mitchell has come back to the Jazz, they look like a totally different team. I know they dropped game one without Donovan Mitchell, but I feel like the Grizzlies have been as good as they can be, and it still wasn't enough in the last two games. What do you think, Munaf? Yeah, you you take a look at game two when John Moran dropped 47 and still wasn't enough. Utah still won that game by 12 points. And then we look at game three. Memphis was in it you know, blade into that third quarter, but then Donovan, sorry, the fourth quarter and Donovan Mitchell just kind of took over. He had, I think two clutch three pointers got to the free throw line. And, and that was it. Um, I, I still feel like I've said this about John Moran. I feel like he's still trying to make too much of the flashy play and doing these three sixty dunks in a playoff game when it, it's not needed. I know he's been, he's been good, but it's outside of that. When Dylan Brooks is your second best player, it's, it's, it's not going to be enough and no, no disrespect to Dylan Brooks. He's been great, but I feel like when I'm watching him, especially in game three, he was forcing a lot of three point shots that he's not that good of a consistent jump shooter, three point shooter for, for this Memphis Grizzlies team. And like you said, Utah, I think just has too much firepower, especially for three point shooting with, you know, Joe Ingles with, with Donovich and uh, Royce O'Neal, Mike Conley. I just think it's too much for this Memphis Grizzlies team to handle. And like you said, They've given up 121 and then 141 in in the two in games two and three with Donovan Mitchell back. So um, I'm gonna keep rolling with this Jazz team. I wanted I t- I believe I took Memphis in game three, um, but again it was just too much Donovan Mitchell and too much Utah Jazz for this team to handle. Yeah, Scott, uh, what do you think about this Jazz Memphis matchup? I'm not really interested in in uh, laying the points with Utah, but I'm also not really interested in taking points with Memphis. I think that number is pretty close to where it should be. I know that they won by double digits in the last game, but as Munaf mentioned, it was really close, and then Utah went on a run late. I know Mitchell got fouled on a three, and that kind of changed the whole complexion of the game. But I do like the over. I'm not going to try to reinvent the wheel. These games have gone over. I haven't really seen much defense being involved. And you look at how both teams have played, pretty up-tempo. So I think you'll see a pretty similar script. Both teams chucking a lot of jump shots. Morant has been getting a lot of easy access to the rim. Now, Gobert has met him at the rim a couple of times, but at the end of the day, he could also get into foul trouble. But I'm looking at both these teams. I haven't seen much defense being played, and I'm not going to try to assume it's going to change. So I like the over. But when it comes to actually laying points with Utah, 
I'm not exactly thrilled with the five because I do think Memphis with that home crowd could give them a bit of a run for their money. It's not like a no-brainer like the Sixers play where we all just looked at it and said, oh, Washington's just done for. So I think Memphis still has something in the tank, but I like the over. I think you'll see a lot of points, and I'm not really going to expect any different script than what I've seen so far. And let's take a break to hear a word from our sponsor. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. You spell that W-Y-N-N, bet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer up to $500. That's a $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. WinBet always has great lines. I'm looking at tomorrow's lines right now, and my favorite is uh, I'm looking at the Utah Memphis. Utah only minus five and a half on WinBet. I like that. I think Utah is going to continue rolling over Memphis. Again, that's wynnbet.com and download the app today. You guys, uh, when I came on the call, you, you thought that I would be a lot more excited because the Suns won today. Let's get to the Suns-Lakers matchup. <laughs> I uh, I admit, like, I'm still a little shell-shocked from the whole game. I, I was a bit of a... I... I totally on Friday, I'd totally given up hope when I was talking to Scott. I said I was, you know, I, I'm giving up hope on the Suns. My wife even overheard me podcasting and said she when I came out, she's like, you've given up hope on the Suns. Like she was legit worried about me. And uh, so I felt like I was ready to let them go. And then they look so good today. I mean, Chris Paul looks back. I mean, maybe it's just road because of glasses I'm looking at it through, but Without AD, if AD can't play, if he's not 100%, I really do think the Suns have a chance now. Am I crazy, Mona? Absolutely not. I mean, we talked. I talked about this with Dan and, and uh, Zach when we were play, uh, previewing the playoff and kind of looked at who the third best players on every single team, at least for me, that's how it kind of gauge it. And you take a look at the, the LA Lakers. If I asked you guys, LeBron and AD, who's the next best player on that squad for the Lakers, who would you guys think it is? Schroeder, probably. Yeah, Schroeder. And, yeah, and now, no, now without AD, I, I think DeAndre Aiden is going to be even more of a monster. Now we don't know what the status is. We heard from Wooj that he tweeted that it's unclear on what his status is for Game Five. Um, but I agree with you, Mickey. I was watching this game in the fourth quarter. Now it's kind of waiting for like LeBron to kind of take over and bring this team back and, and will them to a victory, but it just didn't happen. And you got to give a lot of credit to the Phoenix Suns tonight. Um, they hit some clutch shots down the stretch. Devin, like you said, Devin Booker was good. Jay Crowder hit a couple big three pointers. I think Cameron Payne has been under underrated, underrated the series for the Phoenix Suns. And I agree with you, Maki, if, if AD is not going to be right with that grown injury, I think, give Phoenix Suns a chance to win this series. It's now going to fall on the shoulders of LeBron James. He's probably going to have to go out and play 42, 45 minutes for the Lakers to have a chance to win in this series. But now Phoenix is going back home. They're excited. They could get up three games to two, and then it turns into a game, two-game series where they have to just go out and win a game six or seven. But I think this is going to be a must-win for the Phoenix Suns in game five because if Lakers get game five, they're going back home in six and, you know, they're going to put in all an effort to get that game six and not have anybody else get injured and look forward to the next series. 
Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I, I, I feel like without it, AD is there as, as much of a asset, obviously as LeBron in is AD. I was really what put them over the top because when they play all three big guys, I'm including LeBron and the big guys. Uh, and you put Mikhail Bridges on LeBron, you put Aiton on, if it's, uh, you put Aiton on whoever is the center, Probably, whether it, yeah, Gasol or Drummond, Gasol or Drummond. And then you have like Jay Crowder trying to guard AD is what it comes yeah. down to. But when you take away AD, the Suns look a lot, <laughs> the Suns look a lot better on defense for sure. And they have a very balanced scoring attack today. Wasn't, they didn't win because like, uh, Booker went off and had 40 points. Everybody, it was like 17, 20 points, like all around. So I like how balanced the scoring attack is. They look really good if AD can't play. So I am hopeful. Scott, what do you think? Well, I came on the podcast on Friday and said that free money in the playoffs was Knicks unders and Lakers unders. And yep. nothing has changed. Gone under in every single game. Made me a pretty penny over the last couple of games. But with AD being out, I'm not exactly sure what that means for the actual pace of the series moving forward. Of course, it's better for the Suns. But in general, Davis is such an impactful player on both ends of the floor that on one hand, the Lakers' defense gets worse clearly when he's off the court, but their offense gets so much uh, worse when he's off the court as well. So it kind of cancels each other out. But Suns did a great job today. They buckled down, got a little bit dicey late. They kind of were relying a little bit too much on milking the clock in the last five minutes or so. And the Lakers kind of cut, uh, cut the deficit to, I believe, seven at one point before mm. Paul made a couple of mid-range jumpers and Crowder made the big three at the end. I definitely think Phoenix is alive. Of course, that's not really a hot take because they were the two seed and now the seven seed might have lost their second best player. But I, I don't really know what exactly to expect moving forward besides the fact that if AD plays, you, know, you don't exactly know if he's going to be, I don't want to say a decoy, but he probably won't be anywhere near 100%, which we already know. But I'll tell you what, if he's not going to play, I am slamming over in LeBron rebound props every game. If Davis is not playing, LeBron's going to have to grab at least 12 rebounds or so. And we saw that today. He had 12, and Davis played a half. But we know Drummond, whenever he does play, has pretty much no offensive talent. Good rebounder. He can kind of get offensive rebounds and hit layups. That's pretty much it. And Gasol is a big man who plays pretty good defense, but he's mostly a three-point shooter on offense. And he's also kind of old. So you haven't really given him a huge workload if AD is going to be out, I'll take the player props and I'll go with LeBron over and rebounds because he's going to need to help crash the glass. Yeah. All right. I like that. I like that. Well, well, let's, and that game's on Tuesday. So AD does have a, a full day to try to recover, but those groin injuries are tough uh, to come back from, especially running up and down the floor as much as they do. Uh, we pretty much covered the Celtics and Nets. That game's on uh, Tuesday as well. We think that wraps up. You don't see the, Boston coming back unless Tatum has another 50 point game. Yeah. It's just, it's just too much uh, offensive firepower. Like Scott said, with these big three with Harden Kyrie and, and um, Durant. Uh, Durant. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. It's just too much for, for, you know, it took a 50 piece from Tatum and I think smart had, I think what 23 or 29 points in that in their victory, but I don't think that's going to happen again. I think that uh, Nets will shut the door because they know that, you know, the Bucks have already wrapped up their series and they don't want to give them any more extra rest. Um, so I think Nick's wrapped this, sorry, the Nets wrapped this up in game five on Tuesday. 
All right. The last game on Tuesday we haven't talked about yet is the Trailblazers versus Denver. This is all tied up at two games apiece. Uh, going back to Denver, what did you see this weekend, Munaf? Yeah, I think the defensive effort from the get-go on Jokic was what the Portland Trailblazers should have been doing is they were really attacking him on defense and they were doing a, a better job early on um, defending uh, Jokic too. You know, he got off to a rough start. He was only seven of 18, 16 points in that game, uh, game four loss. It, it's going to take those godly efforts from Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. Uh, one of three. I don't know what happened. I didn't catch this game. Did he leave with an injury or something? Why is only Michael Porter Jr. shooting three shots in this game? Um, but, you know, Norman Powell was incredible for them. 29 points, you know, Damian Lillard. If I told you Damian Lillard was going to be one of 10 from the uh, field and they still win the game by 20, uh, I thought, you know, you would have probably thought I was crazy, but you got to give a lot of credit to CJ McCollum and Norman Powell for calling, carrying this team, Carmelo Anthony off the bench, five of 11, got them 12 points. Um, but again, for this Denver team, it's going to have to be on the back of Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. And I think the Portland Trailblazers were doing a good job of attacking him um, early on and making him play some defense and kind of trying to tire him out. But, um, you know, that was a big win for Portland. Now they're going back to Denver, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, that was one of those weird things where Coach Malone pulled Porter, only played him 23 minutes. I'm not sure. You know, I didn't see him come up lame with an injury or anything. I think he was just missing defensive assignments like he does sometimes. Did you see Scott? Yeah, it just seemed like uh, Malone had another issue defensively with Porter. If you remember in the past couple of years, Porter always seemed to randomly be a little bit in the coach's doghouse for a little while because Malone knew defensively he just didn't fully understand the assignments. And it appears that it was a game that really wasn't close from the get-go. Porter Mm -hmm. wasn't doing anything offensively or defensively. So Malone figured might as well teach you a lesson now to correct it for game five. At least that was my impression. Okay, so Memorial Day just passed, so that means it's definitely summertime, and that means it's definitely time to chill, and there's only one beer out there that is literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and the cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill, and that's pretty much all the time when it's summertime, am I right? When you need to hit the reset, just go and open a Coors Light. It's the mountain cold refreshment made to kill. Chill. I almost said made to kill. And you know, I know it says mountain cold refreshment, but it's also really great on the beach, which is where I am at. Right now, I'm on a nice North Carolina beach, and I'm always toting around a little Coors Light in my backpack, ready to hit the beach and just chill. Celebrate responsibly. Get a designated driver. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And finally, if you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy, you need to check out their fantasy best ball tournaments. They're some of the best around, including the Best Ball Mania 2 tournament, where you can win up to $1 million. Plus, you can play a number of games involving parlaying player props for MLB, NBA, NHL, and more. They They also have a special NBA playoffs best ball tournament going right now. So get over there, get in on it. Go to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN. And don't forget to enter their Best Ball Mania 2 tournament for your chance to win $1 million. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Makia, I got to call you out because we both had Portland originally when the series started. 
and I asked you on Friday and you flip-flopped. <laughs> I did. I told, I told you not to. I said I was going to stay the course with Portland. We still don't know because Denver still has home court advantage, but I'm sticking with Portland. At the end no, of the day, I'm okay. I'm okay flip-flopping, man. I, I, you I, I, like, I, I, I like Denver now. That's fair. You're, still, <laughs> you're sticking with Denver even after game four. Yes, I'm sticking with Denver even after. But you know what? I could flip flop again. Who knows? But uh, that's the great thing about gambling. You can gamble on a different team every game. That is true. That's a very good point. But uh, looking at actually just the matchup itself, Denver just didn't show up. There's no other way to put it, especially at halftime. I mean, you go down 10 at half and you figure, all right, you know, Denver probably won't win, but maybe they'll make it close. Third quarter happens and they get killed 36 to 19. So I don't know what Malone told him at halftime, but never tell them that again. Uh, but looking at Jokic in his performance, it wasn't even just the seven for 18 shooting. It was the one assist. Well, Jokic is known as being one of the best playmaking centers of all time for his passing. And he only had one assist. So Portland really did a great job of just shutting everybody else down. We talked about Porter Jr. But he only had three points. Uh, Compazzo had 12, but it was mostly free throws because he went three for 10 from the floor. The Nuggets as a team shot about 34% from the floor. So they were just awful. But also on the Friday show, I called out McCollum and I said he had to play better. And he did because the Lillard had a terrible game. And McCollum showed up at 20 something points. And he also shot nine of 19. So McCollum showed up. Powell was phenomenal. We already talked about it. And we talked about Nurkic and how he might not be the greatest defender on Jokic, but he's trying. Offensively, though, he's been solid. He was six for eight from the floor. Five for eight from the foul line. He had two blocks, 17 points, plus 32. So not much else to add. I just thought Denver looked off, and Portland knew it was a game they needed to have. Yeah, well, we know that uh, McCullum, big podcast guy, so he probably heard this podcast, heard you call him out. That motivated yeah. him. So good job, man. We know. Uh, but Nurkic, yeah, I thought he was good against uh, on defense this, this game. He looked like he had a lot of energy. He was getting in there. He was, he was getting in Joker's face. Um, and the other thing I noticed they did on defense is they didn't play Cantor as much and they played a lot more Rondé Hollis Jefferson, which for yeah. some reason worked. Uh, I don't know why putting like a smaller guy in there would be better on defense for them, but I guess just his energy was better than uh, our Cantor is just such a black hole on defense. Maybe that's why. I think it was solely for the switching because, you know, if you end up getting a pick and roll with Cantor, you're basically dead to rights. So they knew that if they ended up switching on Hollis Jefferson, who played a little bit of power forward with the Nets, so he can go small occasionally. I still think it was mostly because Cantor is so bad defensively that you talked about. They had to try something. And if you're going to be running pick and rolls against Cantor the entire game, you're going to give up a lot of open baskets. So I think that was the main reason why. It wasn't Hollis Jefferson being a great defender. I think he's pretty good. But it was mostly just finding somebody else besides Cantor to take up minutes. Yeah. Uh, all right, so right now the Mavericks and the Clippers are on. The Clippers in the third quarter are currently up by 20. Um, looks like, I don't know, unless something really changes, it looks like it might be tied up 2-2 uh, for that one. And then let's talk about the last series we haven't mentioned yet. Hawks versus Knicks. Man, I, I, I watched this game closely, and at the end of it, I thought to myself, Julius Randle didn't do anything again. And then I looked at the box score and he realized he had over 20 points. It didn't feel like he had a good game, but he still scored over 20 points. What did you see from this game, Munaf? Yeah, I mean, I still didn't see much from him. He's still not shooting the ball. Well, it was still 7 of 19 from the field. He was 7 of 9 from the uh, 
free throw line, two of four from three, but it was a quiet 23. It wasn't much, you know, for the world or for Julius Randle to will them to victory here. And I think this series, you know, maybe New York gets one in game five, but I think that the Atlanta Hawks have too much on offense for New York Knicks to kind of keep up with. And, you know, I would, I just wonder where this New York Knicks team would be without Derrick Rose, because he's kind of been only the bright spot for them uh, all series long. RJ Barrett had a pretty good game tonight, but it just seems like that this young Knicks team is kind of shell-shocked being having this playoff pressure maybe. And I kind of went back and looked at all the box scores between these two, uh, two teams in their first four games. And, uh, the Hawks are plus 15 from three-point uh, range, plus 45 points uh, in those four games. So you got to give a lot of credit to the Atlanta Hawks shooters, and it just seems like that New York just doesn't have the shooters and the offense to kind of keep up with that Atlanta here. And you got to give a lot of credit to Trey Young because, you know, he's doing – he's making all the right decisions off the pick and rolls, whether it's, you know, getting his floaters or, or dishing it out to a shooter or lobbing up to Capella. So I think that, you know, for Trey Young's first playoff series – these first four games, he's been the best player on the floor. He has absolutely been the best player on the floor. He's looked great. John Collins looked really good in this last yeah. game. Uh, Bogdanovich has looked really well. Um, that's the thing. They New York just doesn't have enough scoring to keep up yeah. with this team. They need another, besides Derrick Rose, they need like another savvy veteran scorer, like a Noren Powell or something like that. And they just yeah. don't have anybody who can step up and get those easy buckets. Scott, mm-hmm. what did you see? Well, to be completely honest, I got to roast Thibodeau a little bit for the series. I know that he's one of the favorites win coach of the year. And I know that he's always been a defensive minded coach. Having said that, can you figure out something else to do to guard Trey Young? You've been trying the same thing for four games and nothing's worked. I, I know Nilakita blew the assignment at the end of game one, which led to the floater, but he's your best perimeter defender allegedly because he's never really on the court, but still you have done absolutely nothing to make Trey Young uncomfortable. It's the same pick-and-roll offense every single possession for four straight games, and he's getting whatever looks he wants. There's nobody in front of him. He gets downhill wide open every time. Now, offensively, he's not a great offensive coach, but we know the Knicks just don't have much talent, so I'm not going to criticize him that much for offense because we know if Randall's not making shots and if Barrett's not making shots, I know he was better today, but if Randall's not making shots, this team's got no shot. But for a defensive-minded team like the Knicks, who are top three defense in the entire league, to just have no idea how to make any adjustments regarding the best player on the other team, I got to roast Thibodeau for because I have no idea what the Knicks are even trying to do. Do you know what the Knicks are trying to do? Because they've been doing the same thing for four games. Yeah. No, he's not switched it up. I don't understand it. It definitely looks like... And I, and I didn't even mention Gallinari. I mean, he looks yeah. really good too. As their six man coming off the bench, they've just got too many scores. Like if if Gallinari was still on the Knicks, maybe they would have a chance. But it just seems like I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. It doesn't seem like they can even get to hundred points, and they need to at least get to hundred points to uh, beat this Hawks team. Am I being too harsh? Because I, I feel like I might be, but I just keep seeing Trey Young go for about 27, 15 every game. And you're supposed to be a top three defense. So I don't really know what they're trying to do in the series defensively. Munaf, what do you think? Yeah, they haven't, like we mentioned, I mean, they just, there's no, like the first two games, like we talk about with the Clippers, that they had no answer for Luka. Through the first four, four games here, they don't have an answer for Trey Young. And it's a little too late now being down three games to one going back to New York. Um, maybe they get game five, get back to game six in Atlanta, but 
again, yeah, you're right. You have to kind of roast Tibbs here for not making the adjustments for Trey Young, who is the best player on the floor for the Atlanta Hawks and between both of these teams, that adjustment hasn't been made. So, I mean, do they have the personnel on this team to stop this guy? I'm not sure. I'm not sure why we're not seeing maybe more R.J. Barrett on him. They tried Peyton, but then they took Peyton out and put Derrick Rose in for offensive purposes. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's just, you know, I don't know what's going on. Maybe we find this answer out after the series. But right now, I think it's too little too late for uh, Tibbs and the Knicks. You know, now they're up. Atlanta's up three games of one. I, I think it's a wrap now. I'm just saying yeah. a trap on one pick and roll might not kill you. Maybe one time you might want to try trapping on a pick and roll. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. And um, Trey Young is way too comfortable out there. He's able to get anything he wants. They go back to the garden uh, in on Wednesday, is it? Or is it? When do they uh, play? I believe it is when. Uh, well, they have a couple of days off then, huh? They are going back on, yeah, Wednesday. All right. Well, they go back to the garden. Uh, maybe the Knicks can win one more game. But, um, yeah, if you can grab this, the series price on the Hawks now, I don't know what it's up to now, but now that it's three to one. But uh, I like the Hawks going forward in this matchup. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else that we missed? I think we about covered it. I know we didn't get to the Dallas game because they're playing right now, but it uh, looks like they'll probably get it back up to – or even the series at two to two. So I hope – you guys and our listeners were able to grab that um, Clippers uh, series price when they're down 0-2. Yeah, what was that? Like plus 247? Yeah, I got around plus 250 on one of my books. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully they can Scott, pull Scott, I asked you on Friday if we should grab that. You said no. I was going to wait and see. And game <laughs> three was close. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm gonna, I'll admit I was wrong. I mean, then again, before the series, I had Clippers in six. But I did think that it didn't look promising and i'll tell you what for about the first six minutes of the first quarter in game three i looked like a genius and then everything (laughs) fell apart after that but those six minutes made me feel like a genius and then i got quickly humbled by Kawhi and paul george just doing whatever they wanted to dallas plus Dante's shoulder injury didn't exactly help things but yeah yeah no yeah whatever's going on with him he doesn't look right tonight either so all right well i'll let you guys go thanks so much for talking to me late night and uh make everybody make sure to subscribe to sports gambling podcast uh, we're doing episodes every day this week moon off where can people find you find me on twitter at sports nerd 824 uh we'll be back well i'll be back with zach tomorrow night for another podcast so uh make sure to subscribe to us there and Scott, you can find me at Rice Show Radio on Twitter. Ba, 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 basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna dunk it! Ba, 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 basketball, give me.